Columbus considers a crash fee. Ted's Teflon shows a little wear. And is the split worth $1.7 billion? These topics and more this week on Columbus on the Record. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at Coside, this is Columbus on the Record. WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting Central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, William Hershey, Statehouse Bureau Chief for the Dayton Daily News. Emily Reamer, Statehouse Reporter for ABC6 and Fox 28. Terry Casey, Republican Strategist. And Harvey Wasserman, Activist and Editor of the Free Press. Welcome to Columbus on the Record. In this time of tight city budgets, officials are looking for every way possible to save money and generate revenue. Among the things under consideration, charging people through their insurance companies a fee for police and fire responses to car accidents. The mayor's economic advisory panel says the city should consider it. The Columbus Dispatch reports insurance companies don't like it. But 25 communities across the country have adopted these so-called crash fees. Terry, here's how it works. You rear-end the car in front of you, your, insu your insurance company gets the bill for the cops and the firefighters who, who respond. Good idea? Well, I don't think it's ever going to go anyplace because in case you didn't miss it, this is a pretty big insurance town. It's a major employer. It's a major contributor to politicians. Uh, but I think what's going on is City Hall wants to say to the dispatch and others, well, we tried this fee idea and that fee idea, so therefore we've got to have that 25% increase in the city income tax. But it's not popular. I mean, if you do this, what's next? Are you going to do a fire run and bill somebody's fire insurance? Uh, when there's a murderer, who are they going to bill from the police department on that? I don't think it's going anyplace. But, you know, car accident, someone's to blame. Somebody's insurance gets billed more than the other, the person who does the rear ending. So, I mean, shouldn't they, why should we all have to pay for bad driver's habits? Well, but you will pay in higher rates and uh, consumers are not dumb. They have to pay a lot of money out in insurance, and why pay more? Because it's going to be passed on to somebody. But then again, I wonder in terms of collection, I mean, if you're talking about an estimated $1 million that you can get, who's going to go get it? And do we, how, how much do we pay those people to go track down the money? Because you're right, the insurance companies aren't going to give it up easily, and so is the cost-benefit really there? That's what they've found, because they have started to charge a couple of years ago the ambulance runs. They charge the health, the health insurance of the folks who were taken by the squad to the hospitals, but they've had a hard time collecting that. So this is similar to that. Harvey? Uh, you know, uh, uh, Ben Franklin founded the first fire department and the f insurance companies, and I'll, I'll go along with him. I mean, I, I think it's a, a bureaucratic nightmare, uh, but I'm glad to hear you taking the communistic position, Terry. I, I like that. Yes, we, we got to look out for the consumers, <laughs> and government is the enemy and can gouge you if you don't watch them. You Republicans aren't going soft on us, are you? No, no, no. We're aware <laughs> of government and its shortcomings. <laughs> is, to Terry's point, is this political cover? We have the trash fee out there that they've floated. They've had, they have this out there, other things. Is this to make yeah, the tax increase of, look uh, better? This thespian uh, prize for we're really trying hard to do this and that, but gosh, we got to raise the income tax. Uh, Mayor Coleman on the income tax should probably get some kind of acting award because he keeps not wanting to say the words but having other people say them for him. And I'm just waiting for the day to come when he actually says them.
Yeah, and the Sunday Dispatch editorial was very clear in saying, City Hall, you could solve this whole problem if you just treat your employees the way everybody else and quit putting in the employees' share of the pension to PERS and to the other retirement funds. So the, this report, this is one item, but there's a lot of other reports in there that could save much more than what would be needed by any income tax increase. But I'm this glad Terry's returning to form, aren't you, Harvey? <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was really worried. <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the Mayor's Advisory Committee does recommend that the city pick up more of the pension costs, and they say that's not going to solve the problem. Same with the health insurance costs. They think, they think the employees should pay more of their health insurance costs. Well, well, let me just say, to go really far afield here, that uh, health insurance, uh, of course, is a huge issue in this country. And I'm very disappointed in the Obama administration that's not taking single-payer more seriously. There was just a national conference on, na on health care, and we need to have a single-payer system in this country. Uh, these, these health insurance issues are just um, so 20th century that we really need to move ahead and find another system. And I'm, I'm, I'm not happy that the uh, administration has been so timid about it. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, Harvey is uh, <laughs> denouncing Obama now. for only being a slow socialist <laughs> instead of a quick socialist <laughs> to nationalized health care. Yes, well, we need nationalized health care. I mean, it's been a long time, way too long, but we haven't had it. Uh, the costs are spectacular. Uh, every European uh, and, ja and Japan have, a country in Japan has it. Uh, we are way, way behind. But even if he tried to pass it, it's likely not going to pass in time for the city's budget vote, which could come in August or November. Are the voters going to go for this unless there's some concessions made by workers, health insurance costs, and retirement pension contrib I contributions? I, just, I don't think so. I think that people, you know, we hear this term again and again of shared sacrifice, and I think that people are getting to the point where they're saying, we have sacrificed, so it's time for you guys to pony up and help us out here. You know, I, and I think to your point as well, communities are just getting extremely creative with how they're going to make up these budget gaps because everyone is feeling the pinch everywhere. Okay, let's get to our next topic. For his first year in office, very little has stuck to Ted Strickland, but a new poll shows the governor's Teflon is showing somewhere. A new Quinnipiac University poll shows Ted Strickland's approval rating has dropped to 56%. It's still pretty good, but it's down from 64%, 63% a month ago. Uh, the poll showed Ohioans are skeptical of his education reform plan, and most do not approve of the way the governor is handling the state's economy. Emily, is this bad news finally starting to stick to the current administration? I think it is, and I think it's something that he's definitely going to have to think about. It's the first time that they have disapproved of the way that he has handled this whole thing. You know, I think that when he comes out and he speaks quite plainly that that speaks to people because they think he's just like them. To the education plan, I think people don't get it, and I think that that is mirrored by lawmakers as well. You have them ask, making public records requests, asking for more information. They don't understand it. So whether or not the governor has good intentions, I don't know that he's done a good enough job of explaining how it works so that folks, when they're sitting around their dining table at night, can figure out what it means. Governor keeps talking about how transparent he wants to be. He's about as transparent as this black curtain back here. I can't understand his education plan. I can't understand how they want to spend the stimulus money. You can't get answers from his budget department. They trot out these uh, talking points, and that's all you hear from them. However, let's put this in context. Most any governor in this economy today would take a 56% approval rating and say, thank you very much. 
I just checked when Governor Bob Taft left office, his approval rating, I believe he was the last Republican governor, Terry, is that correct? Bob who? 16 percent. 16 percent. That was mostly his family, I think, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so uh, I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's periodic. You know, the, uh, he's been in a while. Per ratings always drop. But I do think the Democrats, the governors as well as the administration, have to get much more aggressive. Um, if he started arresting a few of these bankers, I think that would send his approval ratings right back up. And Terry, I know you represent many of them, so, but I don't represent <laughs> any bankers and don't get any money uh, from them. But the governor's numbers are not as bad as the Democrat governor in New Jersey, but they could be that way. And one of the things to kind of jump a little bit on one of the predictions, don't be surprised if the legislature only passes a one-year budget and there's going to be a lot of tension first on the transportation budget, but the House is running, going to end up running probably a month behind and actually passing its budget. The state Senate's not unhappy, but if you, we do one-year budget or we do a continuation budget, people are going to realize, as what Bill was discussing, the numbers don't add up in the governor's budget scenario, and that's what is doing in Corazine, the governor in New Jersey. I don't know, though, about a one-year budget, because, I mean, think of how much time they're taking to discuss this thing. Can you imagine doing it all over again next year? I mean, they wouldn't get anything else. Well, but the All legislature's view is if the economy improves, as is claimed, then they want to be able to have a say in how the money's divvied up. And it's also a way to keep the governor on right. a shorter leash because they don't trust the governor and especially his budget director. I don't think the House will go along with I that. The House, yeah. those members owe their election to Governor Strickland, many of them. And I, I think you're right, Terry. They'd like to do something and keep him on a shorter lease because even the Democrats don't know what his numbers mean. I mean, this is the first budget office like this that I've seen going back to Governor Rhodes. You could call people up and they had smoke and mirrors, but you could finally get them to tell you what the numbers really meant. Celeste was the same way. Uh, I, I don't know what they do over there. You have to call up other people to find out what the real numbers are. But what is it more important to the folks who are answering these polls? Is it the budget transparency or lack thereof, or is the fact that it's now at 9.4% unemployment there in Ohio you go. and it's 25 Mike, I was going to, I mean, today's biggest news story was 94 yeah. a 25% year high, and in a few more weeks we'll have the county-by-county county numbers. Well, last month, we had 56 of 88 counties at 10% or higher unemployment, and it's keep getting worse, and there's nothing out of the governor in terms of any job creation plan, as he promised, in turnaround Ohio. But in all fairness, you know, this is a national situation. I mean, what, what can a governor do? Even a governor of a state this big, we've got a war going on that's got to end. We have an incredibly bloated defense budget that's got to be cut, and that money has to shift over. We have to make the transition to renewable energy. We have a, a, a huge transitional um, uh, load here to, to lug, and until the, the, the you know, peak is ca uh, crossed over, there's not going to be any, any good going on in any state. But I the, mean, the issue is, and, and Harvey's right, but governors take the credit when times are good and they get blamed when right. times were yeah. bad, even when it's not in their control. Well, show us a state in this country that's doing well right now. Well, you can look at Oklahoma. Even West Virginia is doing a lot better than Ohio is on unemployment rate. Well, they may be, but they don't have a dependence on the automobile right. industry yeah. like this state has. And we <laughs> were suffering even before this started. I want to get to the other interesting numbers in this poll. There were a lot of interesting numbers. But the U.S. Senate race on the Democratic side, the Lee Fisher, uh, Jennifer Bruner. Lee Fisher still has a, a slightly 
state, 18% for Lee Fisher among Democrats. Jennifer Bruner, 14%. Tim Ryan, the congressman, comes in at 12%. Tyrone Yates at 6%. He's the state rep from Cincinnati. Still, 46% undecided. Those numbers are not going to cause Jennifer Bruner to drop out anytime soon. No, she's fully committed. I, somebody sent me an email this morning. Uh, she's full speed ahead, and she loves it. The more men that keep getting in the race, the better she's going to do. When are you going to declare, actually? <laughs> I'm the she wrong said party. In the email, she made a reference to people said I really wouldn't be in this to stay, but I remember what she said to me. She said, I play for keeps. So, and she's got just as many political throat slitters working for her as <laughs> Lee Fisher will be able to round she's, up. She's certainly done a credible job as Secretary of State. There's no doubt about that. Uh, and I think she's really handled a difficult situation extremely well. <laughs> I know Terry's chomping at the bit to go after that one. <laughs> With that endorsement, you could really hurt her bad. No, uh, I don't think so, actually. But not, you know, that, not at this point in time. And keep in mind, too, especially when we talk about the polls, it is a long time away. 46% I mean, undecided. It is exactly. So it's anybody's game, I think, at this point. And you never know what's going to happen between now and then. But the polls do show support if you're going out to raise money. And that's what's happening now. So this yeah, is evidence. I think that's worrisome to Lee Fisher. Yeah. I mean, he's been on the political scene yeah. for going back to the 1980s, and he's in a virtual tie with Jennifer Bruner, with Tim Ryan, who says he's not running for the, or hasn't said yeah. he's running, right yeah. uh, nipping at the heels. Does he start calling Tim Ryan and say, why don't you make it more firm that you're not running? Or Well, Governor Strickland and Tim Ryan are bosom buddies, so maybe the yeah. governor will call him. I'm but sure there are all sorts of conversations going on that... Uh, we're not privy to, or we'd like to be flies on the wall for. <laughs> yeah, it's a long way out, but it just shows you that. But an open U.S. Senate race, that prize doesn't yeah. come along very often in Ohio. So there's a lot of uh, right. interest. And Jennifer also will raise a lot of money nationally mm -hmm. from the progressives who love her. And from Emily's list. Right. Yeah. yeah. People that okay. Well, the important thing is I think she can win. Uh, I, I think she can become the U.S. Senator. And I think she'd be a, a very, very strong candidate. And she'd be, I think she'd be a good senator. Our next topic, spending on transportation continues to make news. At the State House, lawmakers continue to squabble over highway and train spending. Meanwhile, critics point to two projects already in the works. They question the need to spend $1.7 billion to reconfigure the I-70-71 split when traffic counts have gone down slightly. Oh, you know, just very slightly. And others question why Port Columbus is spending nearly $200 million on a second runway expansion when passenger traffic is declining. Harvey Wasserman, the split needs work. I think most people agree with that, that it's, it's dangerous to go through there if you're trying to change lanes. But I take it you think it should be less than $1.7 billion. As someone who's been rear-ended twice, once going east on 70 and once going west on 70, I will tell you that that's a total waste of money. The $1.7 billion should go to mass transit. And, you know, I don't care if it's federal dollars, it's state dollars, wherever it comes from, we need rail service and we need a commuter rail system. We need rail service to Cleveland and, uh, and Cincinnati. We need commuter rail system in Ohio, in, in central Ohio. And every dollar that will be spent on, ice, on that split will be wasted. Uh, the automobile, and this is one of the things that this country is facing, is we are, the age of the automobile is over. And, that's, and we are have to transition out of this 20th century technology into mass transit. $1.7 billion would be a godsend to putting mass transit both between the cities and inside the city. And we need to take that money away, you know, not only away from that split project, not only because it's unnecessary and redundant, but uh, if they're going to start tearing up the split, this city's going to be a disaster for seven years. 
I mean, whatever, whatever savings they think they're going to get from faster traffic is being lost. And plus, don't think it's going to be $1.7 billion. It'll be $3.5 billion mm -hmm. before they're done, I guarantee you that. And it won't be just seven years. It'll be 10 to 15. Well, I'll partly agree with Harvey that the costs will escalate, and it is crazy to spend that much. I mean, you could gold plate those highways cheaper than whatever they're planning. I thought that was part of the plan, actually. <laughs> but but the, <laughs> the problem with Harvey's theory is to do high-speed rail in Ohio, uh, and that's the only thing people want to ride. They, they don't want to ride some slow, pokey little thing on old rail, t rail tracks, but to build that in Ohio is probably a $10 billion thing, so with this amount of money, you wouldn't even get to Mansfield, Ohio. Well, let me just really, this has been a long-standing debate, and uh, I'm sorry to jump back in on you guys, but uh, uh, I'm not for high-speed rail. Oh, you're I not. Wanna, no, make it slow. I, make Punish it 70 miles an hour, for God's sakes. It's 130 miles to Cleveland. So what difference is it of an hour, an hour, and 40 minutes? You go 70 miles an hour on a train. You're not on I-71. You're not rear-ending people stuck in traffic. You're sitting and looking out your window. I don't care if it's it's 70 miles or 150. Bill, where's rail traffic get? going at the State House? Is it it's it's kind of in muddy waters? Whether it's muddy waters. Uh, Harvey's a terrific prophet, and sometimes he's right. <laughs> but the age of the automobile is not over yet until Congress or President Obama passes some law that orders people to get out of their cars. It might be a good idea if they did, and we should have better mass transit, but we don't. And the problem is whether this money should be spent now. And I don't know the answer to it. It, it may be a waste of money. How many years? Ten? It's until 2015. Is it's insane. Yeah. And Maybe by by the, just yeah. for the record, people are getting out of their cars. I mean, you know, automobile traffic, as you mentioned, is dropping. And it will continue to drop. But it's our job to make it drop. But on, I think on that split that they're talking about right now, the daily traffic is still above capacity. It's like 120,000, and it's still at 144. So, the so challenge people is, are going. The challenge is to further drop the traffic. Well, Not but, to build the artery. But, but Harvey, why tax? I mean, if you talk to some real people who live in the suburbs and North Columbus and other parts, but talk to women. <laughs> they want their car because if their kid gets sick and they've got to immediately go home, they don't want to have to walk over here, ride this. But we're not that. talking about that. We're, we're not talking about taking away automobiles. We're, taking, we're talking about well, taking that's away the, only way you're the get core trunk traffic. No. If you build commuter lines that people will ride, from from Gahanna, from uh, you know Hilliard, from Grove City, from Worthington. If you if you get rid of that core rush hour traffic with good rail service, everything else will follow. Nobody's talking about taking away your car for a trip to to the hospital or to the to the supermarket. But We're talking about commuter traffic, and that will go away. They don't all work downtown. The percentage who work downtown. But is there's even existing smaller. right of way. There is existing right of way that can be used and and refurbished. You're not talking about high speed rail here because the the distances aren't that great. We're not in Montana, you know. Uh, what we can do in the interim though? In have pogo sticks or? You're not in the interim. You're going to have seven years of nightmare in the middle. No, of no, downtown. I'm not saying build that. But what do we do if we don't build that and we because don't have the you rail? You can have rail service within a year here. Let's look at we some numbers. We could have had it ten years ago from this Quinnipiac. Could, poll. I agree with that. <coughs> let's look at some numbers from this Quinnipiac poll about passenger rail. They asked people if you support passenger rail, and most people support the idea. Sixty-four percent support the idea of passenger rail, but if you look at who is going to ride it. That either likely or well, somewhat and likely, it's and the number is far less. Yes, only forty-six percent. But that poll question really is phony because they ask people, "Would you like it?" And they yeah. say, "Sure." But if you ask them, "Would you like it if it costs you this amount, or you mm -hmm. have to raise the sales well, tax?" That's one of the problems yeah, no, at the state house. They said the trip to Cleveland to Columbus right. would cost twenty dollars, and then somebody said, "Well, maybe it would cost 70 
And, and exactly, and they don't know. And ODOT, I think, what the other day said that 250 million just to build that 3C corridor is an extremely rough estimate. Uh, it's not, but that's Ten not, million it's dollars not a year to maintain it. We had I mean, we had a we had estimates uh, as low as fifty million dollars ten years ago when we were when we were first arguing. Remember, there was an argument over the five hundred million dollar expansion of widening of I seventy one. If they had taken fifty million dollars and refurbished the track between Columbus and Cleveland and not spent the five hundred million widening I seventy one, they could have run the trains for free and come out ahead. You know, automobiles are still lethal weapons, and their day is done, and the time to start making the transition is now. $1.7 billion, we could have this toy train going from German Village to campus, and we could refurbish the lines coming in from Gahanna and Hilliard, and from Grove City and Worthington, and, and you, you start to, you got to start. No, nobody in America wants itself, to live in your socialist state where you take away people's cars. I just independence saying that's not what we're talking about. Independence and freedom is important. Was over, Harvey. The age of the car was over. That doesn't over. mean you're going to take them away. What you do oh. is you offer alternatives. We don't have alternatives. No, right we now. don't. People oh, will vote with need. their feet. All right. They will ride the train. Look at the look at the RTA in Cleveland. I mean, you you and if you, what you need is feeder lines. If uh, if you're going to build the three C road again, restart the railroad, you'll and you have to have jitney service or other rail service to connect, which you do have in Cleveland. But we have to set that up here. A billion seven would go a long way to doing this, and I don't want that nightmare for the next ten years downtown. It's going to be a disaster. Let's get to our last topic, another perpetual topic here on Columbus on the Record. It's time for this week's gambling update. <laughs> the state race. Racing Commission wants casino-style gambling at seven racetracks around the state. It asks lawmakers to approve 14,000 slot machines. Governor Strickland is skeptical, and the governor is more than a little skeptical about the latest casino plan. He told the plain dealer the four casino plan does not provide government with enough of a share. Bill Hershey, the slot machines at the racetracks. Yeah, that may be DBA, dead before arrival. Uh, the gambling proposals are kind of like Mark Dan. They just won't go away. <laughs> this proposal was written by a non-gambler, Tom Zeno, the former tax commissioner. I would call it a credible proposal. Yeah. The people who run the racetracks would be the agents for this. Uh, there wouldn't be anything in the Constitution. Tom Zeno says you can do it without a constitutional amendment. It would save the horse racing industry. However, there's... I haven't been able to identify strong support for it in the legislature. They prepared the report for Tyrone Yates, one of our many candidates for U.S. Senate. Uh, he said he didn't like it. So maybe uh, Senator Seitz or Representative Blessing, two longtime supporters of gambling, will come forward. Or maybe Terry know who's, knows who's going to carry it in the legislature. I couldn't find him or her. This, the one, they say it'll raise $1.3 billion, generate $1.3 billion a year, and they would basically no, no, split it. No, not right away. Not right away. $695 million by 2013. Okay. Over the biennium, the last biennium, it would be more than a billion dollars. But they would They're split it 50-50 with the state, basically. Uh, 48% to yeah. the state. It's a much better deal than the casino plan, which is 33%, yeah. but I don't know that it... But, but it's unclear that the numbers will really work yes. because their plan would be a 90%. In other words, if you play and you put a dollar in the machine, in theory, on average, you'd win 90 cents, which is a lot better return than the lottery, which only pays 59 cents, or racing pays about 78 cents on the dollar. But the question is, out of that dime that's left, 
a nickel of it basically would go to the state as a tax to support education, but out of that remaining nickel, can you really pay the $50 million fee, the $80 million in improvements, the cost of the machines, the personnel? Uh, this tax commissioner developed it, but there's no independent study that says the numbers really work, particularly if the Penn National Gilbert plan gets on the ballot and gets yep. approved. The thing that bothers me about this whole entire proposal is that voters have said no four times yep. that they don't like this idea as a way to economic development. 62% of voters last November said no. And uh, how many times are we going to try to do an end run around them course, to make this happen? Of course, last time you had one gambling company, Penn National, spent $38 million to say this gambling proposal was bad. Now Penn National's sure. coming back saying we won't spend $38 million against it, we'll spend $38 million for it. But four times, four times they've said no, clearly said yeah. no. I mean, like, it just seems like a, it seems like a slap in the face there, to voters. I think that they're hoping that these companies... I think the economy, and, but Penn National is kind of like the Cadillac of gaming companies, gambling companies, I'm buying into their yeah. crap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but their stock is maybe it's down from where it was, but they are doing better than most of these other gambling companies, yeah. and I think they will get it on the ballot, and whether they can you know, reverse right. what Emily just said, I don't know. Let's get to our weekly off-the-record comments from our panel. Some final thoughts and predictions for the weeks ahead. Bill Hershey, we'll let you go up first. Well, now we know that economic stimulus plan rushed through Congress gave the green light to all those fat bonuses for the AIG big shots. Maybe former Governor Bob Taft can round up a couple volunteers from his Ohio Reads program to make sure Congress reads legislation before they commit <laughs> another boneheaded move like this. They make it like a Dr. Seuss-type rhyme. Maybe that would help, you know. <laughs> Emily. Uh, the, the governor's transportation budget will be in conference committee this week. I'm interested to see what happens with a $25 million uh, grab that got taken out of the public safety's budget. They say they would have to cut a highway patrol class. So what's that going to mean for our families and our safety? Terry. Picking up on Bill's comment about Congress and reading bills, I got in the mail today this campaign literature. Oh, by the way, it's paid for by the Congress. People are getting phone calls inviting people to participate in Mary Jo Kilray's town meeting. But this is all paid for at taxpayer money, basically to promo her reelection in 2010. Okay, and Harvey. Well, we need mass transit. I don't want that. Uh, I don't want to see downtown torn up for an obsolete technology like the automobile. We we got to take that uh, billion and a half bucks and put it to better use. And uh, let's not gamble it away on the on, on an obsolete, dying automobile. All right, that is Columbus on the record for this week. You can continue this discussion on our website, WOSU.org. Our question this week, should the city charge a crash fee, that charge for accidents response? We can also ask, perhaps, is the automobile dead, as Harvey has suggested here? You can continue this discussion online at our website, WOSU.org. You can also check out streaming video of this show and a few past shows. This program note, next week we are back to normal times, no more pledge, and on Sunday we are moving to 10.30 in the morning instead of 11.30. So. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.